Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. Good morning. We're going to get started. Would you stand with us? We want to fill this place with the praises of Jesus. If you have our app, you can pull that out and the lyrics are on there. Hopefully you're starting to get to know some of these songs. We're doing them a few times so that you can get them in your heart and in your spirit so we can sing. So let's sing together. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit into this place. Just receive it, receive the freedom. 
Holy Spirit, come. Oh, fall in this place, Lord. We are here for you. We are ready for you. Well, you know, we've been saying at this church for over 20 years, come as you are, no perfect people allowed. And I just want to remind us of that today. That is still who we are. That is still who I believe the church is and needs to be. Um, I was talking with some friends this week and I was just reminded that somehow we get into this idea that like we have to dress up and be perfect and look perfect and have it all together and be just always joyful and never let anyone know that maybe our heart's a little bit heavy or never let anyone know that we have been wrestling with anxiety all week or never let anyone know that I literally haven't worn anything but athleisure except coming to church, (laughs) right? And God is with me at all times. He sees all the good, bad, and ugly. And so, yes, there's a respect of like putting on your Sunday best, so so to speak, but I also think sometimes that comes with putting on masks and putting on an image that we are not meant to hold. This is the place that we should be able to come in our most messiest, most real, most authentic self. This is not the place to come and see and be seen. This is the place to come and hold and be held. Right? So come and be held today, this morning. I want to remind us all that we are beloved before we get dressed in the morning. We are beloved before we have it all together. We are beloved before our lives look neat and tidy. You are beloved this morning and you belong here. So be held. Let's raise our worship in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of all of it, the good, bad, and ugly. Let's bring our praises today. Be a weapon that silences the enemy. The praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. The praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Yes, let it rise. The praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. With all we are, we claim your victory. Oh, let it rise. Let praise arise. Let's sing it out. Here we go. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, let faith be the song that overcomes the raging sea. Let faith be the song that calms the storm inside of me. Right now, let it rise. 
Welcome to Church in the Quad. This is a new one for us. Church in the Quad. I love this. I could get used to this. Thank you so much for leading us into the presence of God this morning, worship team. We're so grateful to God. Um, I'm going to jump right into, we in COVID have added some staff people and interns. I'm going to invite them to come on up right now. As they're coming up, I know we got some new people here. Uh, and you may not even know who I am. My name's John Ireland. I get to be one of the pastors on the team. And uh, these are our new amazing staff and interns that are coming. And uh, real briefly, I'm going to introduce them and uh, hope I can remember what everybody's doing. But we're going to start on this end. And it's Delaney is working with high school ministry. So good to have her back. She's been involved in the life of our church when she was at Westmont and graduated and moved back up to Monterey. And then we enticed her back to be on our team. And so we're grateful. Sienna is working in our O-Kids ministry. 
So grateful for her big yes to uh, invest in the lives of our children in our community. Thank you so much. Jen Holford is our new director of women's ministry. I saw a photo of Jen and her husband Rick on Instagram and it, they were in the snow and it said, we accomplished the trifecta today. We uh, snowshoed, we did Nordic skiing, and we did alpine skiing. And I went, we got to get her on our staff leading women. And uh, it's just so awesome. She's going to uh, take the lead and help women in our church and in our community find and follow Jesus in a real and authentic way. Super excited to have you. Caleb, Caleb is with us. Caleb is an intern. He's on DJ's team with the Sunday Experience and Compassion, Mercy, and Justice. So glad you said yes to serve Christ in our church family. And then last but certainly not least, uh, Christina Randall. And Christina, Christina came to me a couple years ago and said, can I be your coach? I'm, I'm doing my coaching senior certificate or something. And I was like... I don't really need a coach. I'm like 60-something years old. And, but I said, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it, kind of like that. And she's changed my life. She's changed my leadership. And uh, just she's been part of our church for over 15 years with her husband, Jason. But uh, after she was having this impact on my leadership, I was like, well, can you help our staff in the way you've been helping me? So now Christina is our chief of staff and she's the lead on our fundraising campaign for our new building. So let's give thanks to God. For yep. And I'm not gonna lead us, well, can I lead us in a prayer? I know Rob's coming up, but let me, let's maybe reach, reach out a hand towards these uh, New staff folks, would you do that? We're going we're gonna to pray a prayer over them right now. Lord, we commission each one right here, right now, in real time. We pray that the Holy Spirit would literally fall on each one, that there would be an empowerment that comes, that uh, they would be supernaturally carried along this year in every conversation, in every decision, uh, as they make deposits, spiritual, emotional, deposits into our lives, into the lives of our children and our youth and our staff and all of our church, our women, all of it. Lord, we pray for your special anointing on each one that we'd, we'd look and we go, only God could do that. You are doing a supernatural work through our new staff and interns. And so we commit them and we commission them to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's bring up Rob Limkeman. What's up? Thank you. You guys rock, all of you. Oh my gosh. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm with the high school and young adults here at our church, and I'm going to lead us into our time of a different form of worship, listening to the Word of God. As people who are gathered to seek God, we choose to remember today that our God is bigger and better than we think. Today, I'm reminded of God's closeness through the words of Psalm 139. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10. 
think we're going to send our kids out. Let me just say a prayer for them as they leave. Lord, would you soften their hearts? Would you open their ears to hear how much you love them, Lord? Would you protect them, sustain them, and run ahead of them? In Jesus' name, amen. Kids can go K through fourth. We're just going to sing one more song to prepare our hearts before John comes. Your faith can move the mountains Let the mountains move We come with expectation Waiting here for you
I want to sing that chorus one more time and just humor me. Maybe some of you have never raised your hands in praise. And we're going to try it together. I was reminded as I went to a concert last week and everyone around me had their hands raised. Or when I watch a sporting event and everyone has their hands raised. It is our natural response to things that move us, to things that speak to us, to things that we love, to things that we adore. That is our human natural response. It's also a picture of surrender. It's exactly what every little kid knows to do when they come to their dad or their mom and says, pick me up, daddy. Pick me up, mommy. Right? This is how we are made, you guys, to move our bodies in worship and response to the living God. It's not weird. It's not distracting. No one's too cool. This is how we say, Lord, you are big and I am small. You are good. I am in awe of you, right? So just this one little chorus, just get a little out of your comfort zone, raise your hands up, and let's wait on God together with one voice. We're gonna sing waiting here for you with our hands lifted high in praise. to be able to stand up and speak after we've had an experience like we just had. The Lord is in this place. He's in this place. Whether we know it or not, He is in this place. He's already softening each one of our hearts. And I love what Casey said earlier about we are a come-as-you-are church. No perfect People allowed. I did a wedding last night and I was about to walk in and behind me was the flower girl. And I turned around and I said to her, is this your first, first wedding? She said, yeah. And I said, well, you are so cute. And she said, I'm not cute, I'm pretty. <laughs> and I went, well, whatever you are, we just, we're going to walk in and we're going to smile and we're going to honor the bride and groom tonight. And it just reminded me, I just so appreciate what you said, Kate. We are a come as you, you don't have to be cute, you don't have to be pretty, but we do pray that you'd be open, that you, that you would be open to receive. Whether you're a person of faith, whether you've been walking with God for years or decades, or whether maybe somebody brought you today, or maybe 
you're like, I've never been to church, or I've been to church, but I don't believe yet, or I'm, not, I'm uncertain, or I'm deconstructing my faith, right? Whatever it is, wherever you are, this is your invitation to keep coming back and keep inviting God to make himself known to you. The Bible says if we seek him, we will find him. We will. If you authentically, genuinely say, I am going to seek the God of creation, the God of the Old and New Testament, if you seek him with all your heart, not pretending, not faking it, not forcing it, but authentically coming, we believe that you will experience the living God and that he actually will draw close to you. You know, the Bible says in James, if you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. If you come near to God, he will come near to you. Somebody, I don't know who, needed to hear that. That's the only thing you're going to hear today. And today you're going to come near. You're going to, in faith and in prayer, say, God, I'm coming near to you. I don't even know how to do that, but I'm trying. And you're going to experience the presence of God today. And we've been praying for that for you this week. We're in a series in an Old Testament book. Out of the Old Testament, Larry Dam, your favorite, Nehemiah, my buddy Larry, we, we, we banter back and forth about the Old Testament. We're in a book study on Nehemiah, and last week we looked just at the first four verses, that Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king. His job is actually to, in a way, be the insurance policy for the king. He drinks the wine before the wine puts his lips on the cup to make sure if it's poisoned, the king is protected. That was his job. It was a high up job, but that was his job. And so he was up in the king's court. And um, what we learned in the story, if you open, if, and, and I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. I know Ocean Hills, we're, we're like, I don't have to, just bring your Bibles to church. It'd be a great thing. My youth pastor, I asked him when I became a new Christian, why do you bring your Bible everywhere you go? And he said to me, well, when you play tennis, do you bring your tennis racket with you? And I went, yeah. And he goes, well, this Bible is for your life, man. Just take it with you everywhere. It's an encouragement to you. And I believe that. And I encourage you to bring your Bible. So Nehemiah, listen to the, I'm gonna, we're going to read out of the scripture today. What happened was, is so Nehemiah gets visited by his brother and a few men. And uh, they came from Judah. And it says that Nehemiah questioned them about the remnant that had survived the Babylonian exile and also about Jerusalem. And their report back was that Jerusalem and the walls, they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem, it's broken down. Its gates have been burned. And then verse 4, such a telling verse of Nehemiah's heart. He says this, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. And we talked about what in our world, where in our world is our world in ruins? Where is there broken in our world? What is it in our world that actually moves you, that causes you to weep, to mourn, to stop, to sit, to say, this is not God's dream. This is not God's dream. 
Where is it? And, and, and all over this quad, we all have different issues that touch us more deeply than others, where we look at the world and we go, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And I believe God's put that in your heart, a holy discontent that, that, that you can mourn over that and then you can do something about it. You can fast, you can pray, and then like we'll learn about Nehemiah, you get involved in making this world right and bringing heaven to earth, right? Today we're going to look at Nehemiah's prayer, starting in verse 5. And I've just titled this, I want you to think about it this way. We are this morning with Nehemiah in the school of prayer. In the school of prayer. Imagine, you know, we take a lot of classes, college students, you know, but we're just going to have a few moments today. We're going to learn about prayer, and we're going to learn to form our prayers from a spiritual leader in the Old Testament. We learn from each other. And it's not, this is the only way to pray. So I don't want you to, it's not a legalistic approach to prayer. I mean, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, right? And, and that's a beautiful prayer that we pray, but that's not the only way to pray either. There's lots of different ways to approach God in prayer. Nehemiah, we get a peek into his heart. His heart has been broken He's weeping, he's sad, he's looking at the world and he's going, it's, it, it, it's broken. And so here's his prayer, starting in verse five. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night, day and night, day and night he is praying the people, uh, for your servants, the people of Israel. And then he says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, that we've committed against you. We've acted wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed all the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even your exiled people are at the farthest horizon. I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. And then in verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of the king. And then he ends chapter one with, I was cupbearer, to the king. We are actually going to even jump into chapter 2 a little bit today. So let me just read uh, the first part of this. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, 
May the Lord, or may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins? Its gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king responded. He said to me, what is it that you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him Send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. And of course, he finds favor from the king. And then I love the end of verse 8. And because the gracious hand of God, my God, was upon me, the king granted my requests. Because the gracious hand of God who wants the gracious hand of God to be upon you and your family today? I want that. I want that. So let's learn from Nehemiah about prayer. I just have a few reflections this morning. The first one is when we focus on God's attributes, it strengthens our faith. Again, this isn't a form or formula, but it is, it's an insight. Why, why does Nehemiah start with praise? That's how he starts. And I, I actually did some research and I talked to some friends about it. And the idea that praise and adoring God, doing that first, it's, it's, it's really a habit that reminds us of this basic truth. God is God and I am not. You know, when we pray, we're, we're usually stressed, we're filled with anxiety, we have fears, we want something, and we're focused on that, and, we, and, and, and our, our anxiety increases. But when we turn to God and we look up first, and we, we, we tell God how amazing he is, it reminds us, it brings a peace to our hearts. Now, I know, I know some of us, it's like, well, it, it feels forced to go, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, you don't have to use that phrase if that creeps you out or something, or that's too much Christianese. Use authentic language that comes from your heart. You remind God and tell God of his greatness. And so what it might just be, God, as I, as I come to you in prayer, I am so grateful that you're the God who is all-powerful. You're the God who's all-knowing. You know everything about me. You're the God who forgives me day after day. I, I am overwhelmed by your unfailing love that I read about. All of a sudden as I'm praying, I'm reminding myself how big and how amazing that God is and, and my problems start to shrink a little bit. And that's what we see here is what Nehemiah starts by, by really looking up and, and praising, adoring God. And, and part of Part of the attributes of God, and you'll see this in verses 8 through 10, it's, it's as if Nehemiah is reminding himself of an attribute of God, that God is a promise keeper. God keeps his promises. What a powerful way to pray, to plead the promises of God. Nehemiah said, Lord, you made a promise to Moses and this nation, and I ask you now to make good on it. And then he quotes from Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 30. Let me ask you, what has God promised you? Do you know? 
Can you think about, and where would you find that? Well, you're going to find it in, in the scriptures. There are so many promises, and it's good to know the promises of God, and then to plead the promises of God, to put our weight on the promises of God. But can you think of one promise of God or two? Let me remind us of a few right here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What does that mean? I will be with you always. God is with us. I will blot out your sins and never think of them again. Does that blow your... God, we think of our sins after we've confessed them. We're dragging our own selves through the mud. We're beating ourselves up. But the promise of God in Isaiah says, I will blot out all your sins and I will never think of them again. And through the blood of Jesus, that's a promise that's true. And we can depend on that. Scripture says, God says in, in the old, I will fight for you. I will give you a peace that passes understanding. I will give you strength. I will never stop working in your life. I will always love you. Over and over and over again, the scriptures talk about God's love being unfailing. What does that mean, unfailing? It never fails. How is that possible? Well, our minds can't even get our head around it because we're a culture that you earn love. And God says, my love is, you can't earn it. You, you don't deserve it. That's the point. It's upside down. It's counterintuitive. The kingdom of God is upside down thinking from the worldly way of thinking. So focusing on God's attributes, it strengthens your faith as you enter into prayer. Second reflection is confession. It cleanses us from the sin that separates us. Did you notice that in verse 6 and 7? Nehemiah is confessing his, he includes himself in that public confession. He includes the whole community, but then he brings it in. He says, and even me, I'm guilty. Even me, I've strayed. Even me, I've done wicked, evil things. Even me, I have left things that I should have done undone, right? Is that hard for you to admit that you're wrong? Do you find it hard to say, I'm sorry? To say, I'm not perfect? To say, there were some things I did this week, something I said this week to my family, to my friends, to people in my office that they just wasn't very loving? Is that hard for you? Or are you able to say, oh my gosh. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I wanna, I wanna actually have us move into, I mean, we're not just going to talk about prayer today, we're actually going to pray. My wife yesterday asked if I would just briefly do a little watering in our yard. That's not my favorite thing to do. I, I, I'm not a, I don't have a green thumb. But I'm, I was just watering a, a, this bougainvillea in, the, in, in our backyard, and, and all of a sudden, I'm like, where'd the water go? And I looked down the hose line, and there was a kink. You ever had that experience where your hose gets kinked up? You ever had that? Okay. I remember the president of Young Life years ago shared this, this example. And he said, that kink in the hose is sin in our life. It blocks the flow of God's power and God's spirit in our life. When there's sin, it's like the spirit of God is water flowing through a hose, flowing into and through your life. 
But when we walk away from God, when we're selfish and willful and unloving, that sin, it, it blocks the flow of God's spirit. And so we want to unblock that flow. So right here, right now, whether you're a person of prayer or not, can I ask you to just to bow your head, close your eyes, forget about the person next to you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us into a prayer of confession and maybe just agree with this prayer in your heart. Kind Heavenly Father, I invite the Spirit of God right here, right now to soften my heart, to open my mind, and to shine your spotlight on any and every attitude or action in the last few days that have been unpleasing to you. I want to confess my willfulness, my selfishness, my prayerlessness, trying to do it all on my own. I do confess that I've had thoughts, I've used words, and I've done some things that were unloving. Jesus, have mercy on me. And right now I receive God's too-good-to-be-true grace. I put the past behind me, and I step into this week with your promise of forgiveness ringing in my ears. In Jesus' name, amen. And here's the promise out of Isaiah 43. God says, I will blot out your sins and will never think of them again. Isn't that good? That's too good to be true. I will... But that's the good news of the gospel. So let's jump to the third reflection. It's simply that prayer is helplessness. It's asking God for help. Anybody hear of O. Halsby? It's a book, 50-year-old book. It's a classic book called Prayer. And here's what he writes in this book. Prayer and helplessness are inseparable. And then listen to this. Helplessness is your best prayer. Helplessness is your best prayer. Verse 11 of our story, Nehemiah, he turns to God, he asks his heavenly father for favor and success in the presence of the king because he's looking at his circumstances and he's going, there's no way this king's gonna give me favor. There is no way this is gonna go through. There's no way he's gonna let me go rebuild the city and provide the supplies and the permits and all of that. And so, with a kind of helplessness, he turns to God and he prays. Where do you turn when you feel helpless? Where do you need, right now, in real time, where do you need God's help? Right now, in your life, you're already thinking about it. Where do you need God's help in your life? Where in your life could you use God's blessing? Nehemiah prayed for God's blessing and his favor. I have, I have a friend in business and he told me, I never, I never pray for God's blessing in my business. I'm like, why wouldn't you? He goes, I don't think God cares about making me successful in business. I said, well, what do you do when, God, when you find success? Do you give God glory? Do you, do you bring him into his, you know, your success into supporting his purposes or just about you? Your business is over here. It has nothing to do with your faith. 
I mean, part of what we learn here in this story, I'm talking to you business people right now. I'm talking to you college students right now. I'm talking to everybody. Bring God into every area of your life. It's okay to say, God, would you bless me? God, I need favor in this area of my life. And then have that mind of God that you're not just hoarding for me. When you have and receive the blessing and success, you're an instrument. You're a conduit. Once we've been blessed, remember the scripture says, I've been blessed to be a blessing, right? And if you're willing to be a blessing, to use God's blessings, his favor in your life, and then to use that to bless others, I think you and I should just go all in with inviting and asking God to, to pour out his blessing and favor. Number four, reflection. Prayer and waiting is fertile ground for deeper growth. Prayer and wait. Now, this is going to touch the ouch in some of you. It's like picking a scab a little bit. Some of you have been praying about something or for someone or for a breakthrough in your life or for... God's provision in some way, and you haven't been praying for a few minutes. You haven't been praying for a few days. You've been praying for months, some of you for years, and you're waiting. And some of you maybe even walked away from your faith because you prayed and you prayed and God didn't answer your prayers the way that you wanted him to. Prayer and waiting. This is graduate level spirituality. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You probably missed it. I missed it the first 20 times I read this. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Why would he mention the date? I kind of read that and I just read right over it. And read right over it. And read right. Well, go back to chapter 1, verse 1. In the month of Kislev in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah wants us to know timing. That's why he's mentioning the dates. And why is it significant? Why is he careful to tell us exactly when the events in this chapter took place? Why is that important? Because between chapter 1 verse 1 and, and chapter 2 here is a span of three to five months, scholars tell us. That's a long time to be praying. But Nehemiah is praying and he's waiting and he's praying and he's waiting and he's praying and he's waiting. Prayer and waiting, they go hand in hand. So let me ask you again, what are you praying and waiting for? Can you identify that right now? Maybe just right where you're seated just in the quietness of your own heart, say, just tell the Lord, that this is it. This is it. It's, what is it for you? It's, maybe for some of you, it's healing. It's provision. It's to get married. It's to get pregnant. It's that job promotion. It's that loved one that you want to see make different choices. What is it for you? Waiting, waiting, waiting. I don't know who gets credit for this quote, 
But waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting, it's part of the shaping and molding process of becoming who God wants us to be. As we're waiting and we're praying, even though we can't see him working, he is. He's shaping us. He's molding us. Are we trusting him? Are we turning towards him or are we turning away from him? Are you going to trust God when you don't get your miracle? When Natalie and I experienced infertility for 10 years or so. I remember Philip Yancey's book, Disappointment with God. If you're in that season, pick it up and read it. But here's what he said. There's a lot of, he goes, I think the reason God doesn't always answer our prayers for that miracle is because you know what, you know what miracles produce? They produce miracle junkies. Now we're dependent on the miracle. We're not dependent on God. We're just, we're going to trust him as long as we get the miracle. And Yancey says, are you going to trust him when you don't get the miracle? Are you going to trust that he's good, that he's in control when you don't get the miracle? That's the graduate level, deeper faith that God's inviting us into this morning of prayer and waiting. Don't give up praying. I want to say that. Don't give up praying. That persistence. Jesus taught on that. The persistence of prayer makes a difference. And now, here's my last reflection. And this is probably my favorite one in the text. Casey and I uh, had, a, had a good chat about it this week. Prayer is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And so going back to the story, if you're with me, Nehemiah, he's with the king now. He's actually in the appointment. He's in the presence of the king, and the passage says that he is terrified. Nehemiah is in the presence of the king. He's scared to death because the king notices his sadness that's written all across his face. And verse 5, don't miss this. In the NIV it says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I said, if it pleases the king, and he speaks up. And Casey and I were talking, she goes, look at how the message translates it. She texted it to me, and here's how Eugene Peterson translates it. Praying under my breath to the God of heaven. Praying under my breath. What can we learn from Nehemiah's prayer life here? He's in the job interview. He's in the appointment. You're, you're in a conversation about your marriage with your spouse and it's not going well. You're about to scream at your kids, whatever it is. We can learn from Nehemiah that we can pray under our breath to the God of heaven. Anytime, anywhere, anytime, anywhere, we can pray to the God of heaven in the middle of a business negotiation, a job interview, a work review, a temptation of evil, that raises its voice in your mind. We can pray these breath prayers. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, that we are to pray without ceasing. Remember that? How does that happen? I think Nehemiah is modeling it for us. Praying under our breath. We're in the flow of the Spirit as followers of Jesus. The Spirit's in you. And many of you know this, but I'm going to just teach you a whisper prayer right here, right now. When I'm suffering from insomnia, when I'm awake and 
I walk into the kitchen and I go, oh my gosh, I'm hoping it's 5.30. And instead it's 2.54. I'm like, ah. Oh. And then I wake up again and I'm hoping it's 6.30 and it's 3.49. That happened to anybody else? Yeah. And that's when we use the whisper prayer. This has just become part of my spiritual life. I actually just pray one word, Jesus. Try not to wake my wife up, but I whisper it under my breath. I just proclaim his name because his name has power. And it's amazing how that peace, the Prince of Peace, comes to me in my stress, in my anxiety, with my fears, and brings peace, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I want to invite you to, to do that during the day even. So I'm looking at June Michelson out here. And June, she like, she's like a second sister to me. We've been friends for over 35 years. And I, June, you don't know this, but you said something and I've never forgot it. She goes... I hate talking about prayer. Let's do it. Like, we're always talking about prayer, but why don't we get to the work of prayer? And so Casey and I thought we would end our gathering today by praying. And I'm not, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. If, you're, if that's not where you live, that's, you don't have to. But I'm going to give you a few options right now. If you're here with your spouse, what about if you just grab their hand? Maybe you've never prayed together. Maybe you're here with a few friends. Maybe you circle up and you're going to pray together. If you have been praying for someone and you see them here this morning, during this song, you're going to get up and go over to them and just lay a hand on their shoulder and pray a whisper prayer over them. You don't have to tell them anything. You know, just maybe you're going to pray a blessing over them or maybe you know a struggle that they're it's ongoing, and you're just going to pray over them. If you want some space from the distractions, you're like, I don't like praying with people. You can get up, and there's a lot of space in the back. Maybe you just want to go and sit on a bench in the back. Um, and then finally, maybe you want to get on your knees, or you want to stand up, or you want to bow, or you want to clench your hands together tightly and bow. If you want to kneel up here, you can, there's space up here to just come to the altar in a way and kneel. But we're going to sing a final, just a final song. And there's no judgment. If you stay in your seat, I'm not going to go, guess God's not working in your life. It's, uh, it's just however you want to respond to what the Spirit's doing. If you want to just stay in your chair and, and just enjoy the song, you can do that too. No perfect people. But we would love to turn this into a house of prayer for the next five minutes as we conclude our worship. Does that sound good? Are you in? Yeah. All right.
darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus I'm just going to give some space I'm just going to keep playing You can even just whisper under your breath Silence fear Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus
out our service but before he does I know many of you last week got one of these cards on our uh, our building we bought a building downtown if you don't know that and uh, at 1002 Anacapa and uh, it's time to plant roots uh, in this community we're a 23 year old church and excited about the future here's the update we've heard from many of you uh, in the last few months oh, you know how come we're not buying something that we can be in seven days a week? Why is it a six day a week? Why wouldn't we do Sunday morning church there? So part of what we have been doing, just so you know, full disclosure, we're in process. And we met actually this week, conversations with a couple of different designer architects that said to us, you should have no problem being able to build a second story on this building as well as a rooftop and so adding to your, you could do Sunday morning here if you decided you wanted to. So just so you know, we're exploring every avenue. Of course, that costs more money. And, and, and we're trusting that you're going to be part of our future and part of providing for that. And you'll hear more about that. But for those of you, I just want to give you that update that we're super excited that we might be building a children's ministry center upstairs and having a worship center downstairs. Would that get you excited? Would that, would that be okay? Rob, I'll turn it over to you. I love it. That, that demands some prayer. That's good. 
That's a lot. Um, I'm so pumped. I, I just, I was really blessed by your sermon today, John. It was, it was great. I, I've just been thinking and praying this whisper prayer ever since you told me about that whisper prayer. Jesus, Jesus, it has helped me so much. I have two kids under the age of three, so I'm praying that a lot for <laughs> lots of reasons. And um, yeah, I, I just want, I want everybody to embrace not only this season of prayer, but like. Uh, Henry Nouwen wrote this book, The Only Necessary Thing. Anybody read that book? The Only Necessary Thing? It's pretty good. It's, it's all about prayer. He's like, prayer is the only necessary thing. It's not scripture. It's his idea. But like, it's, you could trace it. Um, and I, I confess, as a, like a pastor figure at this church, I, like, I don't treat prayer like that. I don't treat prayer like a necessary thing. Like I can do a lot of you know, planning, preparing, and all this stuff. I don't pray. If, oh, if I don't pray, we are not doing this event. You know, like... Do I do, like, I don't do that all the time, and I want to, and I love that push for our whole church, and to be, I'm like in it with you. I want to, we want to be a people of prayer. We want to lean into this. We want to lean into remembering the promises of God and approaching him as the helpless people we are. Like, we can do nothing apart from God. And approaching him, recognizing what Jesus has done to, like, open the veil and, like, allow us to connect with God so deeply and tenderly in a way that Nehemiah, like, didn't even know how to do. Like, this is like, it's a new season. And it's amazing to see this faithful witness of prayers, prayer warriors, even all the way back to Nehemiah, before Nehemiah, people who have connected with God deeply. We don't just believe in a God who makes sense of our world and gives us a great philosophy and a way to live. We believe in a God who connects deeply with our hearts, who we can talk with, who can guide us, who can show us things we would not have seen if we didn't welcome him into that space, into that personal, intimate space. So I'm, I'm with you guys. We're going to do this together. One way we do that is we're in a technology fast this month for the next, well, for I guess, less than 40 days. But we started it last week. One day a week, technology fast. If you can turn off that phone, turn off the things. Uh, that might be too much for you. And if it's too much for you, one idea to challenge you is maybe even after the service on a Sunday, like, turn off your phone until dinner. Like, just, like, unplug, do it. Like, do a, just some smaller chunks. You can chunk it around. You can get creative. But this is one way that we can make space for prayer. As necessary as I really do believe that it is. Like, I don't have any space in my life if I just start scrolling Instagram and TikTok. It's just so fun. Um, but it's not the most necessary thing. So let's do this together. Are we down to do this this fast? Like, make some space? Who's down to make some space? Make some space. Okay, yeah, yeah, good. Good. So lean in, make space, and there's so many things going on. Please uh, dive in. There's life groups starting up. There's all kinds of amazing groups happening. There's like worship things, and just there's a million things going on. Oceanhills.org. You can talk to any staff member. We'll connect with you. After the service, there's a little connect stand over there. You can connect with people over there. Please lean in. This is like, this is the visitor center. There's so much going on all throughout the week at Ocean Hills. So as much as you want to lean in, we'll lean in with you. So let's do it. Uh, Jesus, thank you for tonight. And by tonight, I mean today. What time is it? Do I have young kids? Oh, Lord, we need you. I am helpless without you. <laughs> and your promise is you will sustain us. Jesus, we're so thankful. Uh, and we, we're so grateful that we get to wrestle with you this week uh, in prayer. We get to wrestle with you. We get to speak your name as often as we possibly can. So Jesus, we love you. We need you. Go before us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to say at uh, Ocean Hills, God is good all the time.
He's better than you think. Enjoy. Mingle. Your name is Light. Sing it out. Your name is Light. Let the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive, forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.